In this episode of Cause for Action, we're going to be taking a deeper dive into what is happening in the states and how they're looking to increase litigation under their own many state TCPA laws. Cause for Action is brought to you by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Legal Reform, the leading legal reform advocate in the U.S. and around the world. Learn more at instituteforlegalreform.com. Hello, thanks everyone for joining us today, and we're going to be talking about the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. In uh, 1991, President George H.W. Bush signed the uh, the TCPA, uh, or Telephone Consumer Protection Act, uh, into law to address an increase in fraudulent telemarketing uh, and curb annoying telemarketing calls that always seem to come around dinner time. Uh, and more than 20 years later, the law's going strong, um, and, but unfortunately, despite the significant evolution in covered technologies that the same law still governs all sorts of business to consumer communications. Um, unfortunately, this has now led to a cottage industry of plaintiff's lawyers bringing frivolous lawsuits against co- companies based on their communications with consumers. And the Supreme Court did recently try to cut back on some of these frivolous suits by clarifying some of the definitions in the TCPA. Yet even with this recent Supreme Court ruling, we're still seeing efforts to undo the progress made uh, in that court case. And particularly as states try to produce their own mini TCPA bills uh, and are doing so in growing numbers. In this episode of Cause for Action, we're gonna be taking a deeper dive into what is happening in the states and how they're looking to increase litigation under their own mini state TCPA laws. And today I'm going to be talking with Megan Brown, who previously appeared with us in Cause for Action. And uh, in her previous appearance, she was also talking about the TCPA. And Megan's a partner at the law firm of Wiley Ryan, specializes in communications law, including the TCPA. And hello, Megan. And I hope you're doing well, and thank you for joining us today. So just wanted to start off our conversation with a quick overview of the TCPA. Uh, why, why was it created, and uh, why are the states now debating their own versions of the statute. So as you alluded to, the TCPA has been around for a while. It's been updated to sometimes try and keep up with technology. Uh, But the the main goal of it was to strike a balance between um, sort of limiting the tools that telemarketers can use at certain times and under certain conditions and empowering consumers, but also recognizing that telemarketing is an important aspect of business communications. And so you see in the legislative history and in the statute, it tried to strike that balance by imposing certain conditions on the use of certain kinds of calling technology um, and and sort of set us down that path. Uh, Some people refer to it as a privacy bill, uh, but but you mentioned at the outset, it was really about the dinnertime calls um, and trying to to sort of address some of those more uh, vexatious telemarketing practices. So why are the states now trying to get in the, into the mix? Well, I mean, I think everyone kind of agrees that um, there's there's been a big uptick in illegal and unwanted robocalling. That is a, a common refrain we hear at the federal level and at the state level. And as you alluded, there's been a lot of litigation under the federal TCPA. Uh, the Federal Communications Commission regulates and Im- implements that statute, and the Supreme Court, in that recent decision you mentioned, kind of put some guardrails around one of the key definitions. And that, I think, has created some obstacles for litigators who want to bring these class actions. This is a very attractive statute 
that litigators are using. And as they're encountering obstacles at the federal level, they're going to be looking to state law, many of which have long codified some of the same restrictions. Um, so I think that's where we're going to see that pressure. You know, seeing these statutory damages and these multi-million dollar judgments, it's too attractive to sort of let it go at the federal level. Although I think ILR has done some really good recent work that that litigation is not over. Um, that federal litigation continues, but they are looking to the states as a venue where they can pursue these these claims. Okay, but I mean, one of the things I'm always struggling with with the TCPA um, as we're talking to policymakers is that they always seem to conflate legitimate communications with consumers versus fraudulent calls and don't seem to understand that fraudulent calls are already illegal under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Um, but the problem seems to be that so many of the fraudsters are effectively judgment-proof. Um, are these state statutes going to fix that problem at all? Well, I think you're right on that the, the problem set is being conflated, right? But I think there's actually even more going on. There's illegal scam calls, which are just outright fraud, right? There's um, legitimate business communications, with which federal law and the First Amendment protects. And then there's also these sort of um, scam calls, the robocalls and the spoofed calls where you have ID, caller ID being obfuscated, hidden or distorted. And so I think what we've seen is a kind of a, as you said, the conflation of these buckets of problems. And I think the challenge is, you know, some of the changes we're seeing proposed at the state level don't address the problem that they may think they're solving, right? The, the problem that may cause their, their citizens pain is really spoofed calls, caller ID um, obfuscation. Some of the proposals don't really address that. And I think that's one of the problems I see with this move to expand class actions and go after legitimate businesses for their telemarketing practices. I mean, how does the litigation work in this space? I mean, is it really just kind of a cash cow for the plaintiff's attorneys? Um, or do they actually ever end up going after the legitimate bad actors? I mean, I honestly haven't seen in the research you guys have done and in the cases that the, the true bad actors are targeted. As an example, right, the Federal Communications Commission and the state of Texas and others last year brought an enormous case with like an over $200 million fine against some bad actors down in Texas who were, you know, pumping out billions of illegal robocalls. They were spoofing caller ID. Those kinds of bad guys aren't the target for the plaintiff's class actions. The plaintiff's class actions, according to the, the work you guys have done and what I've seen, often are legitimate U.S. companies, sometimes small and medium-sized businesses, whose compliance plan fails for whatever reason, or, um, or who face an allegation that they made calls without appropriate consent. And that gets into a fact question about the adequacy of consent or whether a consumer revoked consent. And so I think the you're seeing a mismatch between the litigation that's been authorized and the bad actors who are really causing the pain out in our economy. Okay. I mean, do you, I mean, the states that have done something uh, in the, uh, the many TCPA space, um, I mean, not a huge number of states have have passed changes recently, but I mean, but there but there have been a handful. But I mean, do you expect many other states are going to try to go down that route? 
I mean, I think several might, uh, particularly if some of these newer changes, these innovations, I'll call them, get a toehold. Um, so we've seen things at the state level that would, for example, fundamentally change and expand the approach to technology. So at the federal level, um, what is regulated is the use of what we call an auto dialer, which um, it has a few statutory requirements, but basically, you know, it is supposed to have the capabilities to um, select calls and make calls using a random or sequential number generator. And that generated a lot of litigation. The states that are, are thinking about innovating in this space are going more broad. And they're saying, and I want to pull up some language that I've jotted down, they're targeting um, an automated system for the selection or dialing of numbers. And that's a, that's a broader approach than the federal TCPA definition. And so I think that's, that's a way that they may seek to expand the litigation options for folks who can't get traction under the TCPA because someone's not using a federal auto dialer. And I think we've seen other things that, that certain policymakers wanna do, which is expand class actions um, make it clear that lawyers can get attorney's fees, um, eliminate the intent requirements. A lot, some state laws currently require a knowing call or a knowing violation of, for example, their do not call laws. And I think all of those things taken together, if, if we start to see that momentum grow, you will see those laws pop up in other states because the, the damages are just so attractive. I, I heard a legislator recently say that if the, if if their nude law passed, maybe they would switch their specialty from what they did now to TCPA plaintiff's work because it would be so lucrative with the combination of statutory damages and the class action vehicle. So, I mean, do you think there's a coordinated effort underway by the plaintiff side TCPA bar to try to... Uh, shop stuff to various states or is it just kind of helping or occurring more organically? You know, I don't I don't know or want to speculate as to how folks are, are coming to these uh, drafts. I think there's people of goodwill who are genuinely responding to um, citizens complaints. And I think they might just not have the right match between problem and solution. And if you don't mind, I think one thing that I, I wanted to emphasize here that, that I've seen in some of these discussions is sort of a lack of familiarity with, with some of the many things that, on, that are underway at the federal level that address this problem and that need to be given some time, right? The, the federal government has juiced up several of the existing laws, including the Truth and Caller ID Act. So a lot of the underlying activity is already a violation of state and federal law. And then there's been a real move over the past, I'd say, two to five years to require the, the telephone companies to do a lot on their end. Several pieces of legislation have been passed, and there's a whole array of technology solutions that are now being deployed to really get at the authentication of traffic and sort of stop it at its origins. Um, so that's something that I think is important and is often under under you know valued. Uh, at the state level when I think legislators are trying to relieve some pain that their constituents are feeling. And then also, you know, there is a desire to help the plaintiff's bar sometimes. And this is this has been a very 
profitable area for certain lawyers. I mean, is this an area where the state attorney general community, they could be more active? I mean, just using the tools that they already have uh, rather than trying to give them new tools um, or give the plaintiff's bar new tools? I think so. I mean, many states have recently entered into um, memoranda of understanding with the Federal Communications Commission, and that they were involved. Texas, for example, was involved in the enforcement action I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think we've seen folks sign up with the FCC states just in the last couple of weeks. They've been sort of jumping in to try and increase this collaboration to identify the bad guys. I certainly would rather see state AGs work collaboratively with the federal government to go after bad guys rather than deputize the attorneys general. One of the art, I mean, the, the plaintiff's bar, I think one of the arguments I've seen is that the AGs don't have a lot of resources. And so it would be more efficient to allow the private sector to proceed by private cause of action. And I just don't think that's a great tool here to address the real problems that are giving people pain. Well, because, I mean, going back to your earlier comment, I mean, it seems like they're not, there's not a profit motive to go after the real fraudsters or the ones that are causing the real pain because they're either offshore or otherwise committing criminal acts or, or, or what have you that, I mean, at the end of the day, they don't make an attractive private lawsuit sort of target, at least the way I have always kind of envisioned how the, how the litigation proceeds. I think that's fair. One thing that we're also seeing, and we're involved in some of these, um, I have a, a couple of partners who've been deeply involved in some of the industry traceback work. Mm-hmm. We are seeing uh, major U.S. companies now fighting back against the bad guys because, you know, if you look at the fraud that is perpetrated sometimes or attempted, it's often using the names and identities of major trusted U.S. companies. And so they are likewise victims here. And so you're seeing big companies bring their own litigation to try and stop this at its source uh, because they don't want customers misled by calls that are, are, you know, falsely purporting to be from their company. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to give you a, just a, a prime example of that, I mean, just earlier this week, I've been getting calls that have shown up on my caller ID at home with a, uh, a major bank with whom I personally do business and pick it up, and then it's somebody trying to sell me solar panels. And um, somehow, I don't think they're trying to sell me solar panels. <laughs> so, but, I um, that's right, Matt. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I do understand the frustration and the problem that consumers are experiencing under this, and and also understand the, uh, the pressure that policymakers are under to try to deal with it. But but it seems like what they're trying to do, I mean, almost strikes me as trying to put a square peg in a round hole um, with what they're trying to accomplish, at least at the state level. So, Yeah, I mean, I think if you accept the premise of what you said earlier, that the true bad guys are often going to be hard to find and or judgment proof, does it make sense to then turn civil litigation on legitimate U.S. businesses for compliance problems, mistakes, um, difficulties or, or fact questions about whether consent was given. Um, I just don't know that that's the right solution set if we're really talking about folks like the guys in Texas who who put out over 1 billion illegal robocalls in a span of time. That's not the same thing as the, the defendants we see 
in the TCPA litigation to date. Okay. Well, Megan, thank you for joining us again today. I know this is, uh, unfortunately, this seems to be a perennial issue for uh, for the business community, and um, it's definitely a litigation issue that's uh, kind of the gift that keeps on giving, unfortunately. But but thank you for joining us, and I'm sure this is not going to be the, the last uh, conversation we have on the issue. And um, thanks to all of our listeners uh, and viewers for joining us today, and this was Cause for Action. So thank you. Thank you.